0: Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Can you believe that this is the last Sunday in January? Like, like I think I'm going to start using my, my desk calendar as a fan. You know, the days are going by so fast. But, but uh, th- this is incredible that this is the, the fifth Sunday in January, and we're already here. And five weeks ago, we started a series on embracing God's embrace. And so if, you're, if this is your first time or you hadn't been here in a few, few days, a few weeks, or a few years, uh, Dennis and I are, are doing a series, and this is the final sermon in the series on embracing God, please go back and listen to the videos or the the sermons online. It's not videoed, it's audioed. Really powerful series. Our whole purpose in this is to help you embrace God's embrace. You see, here's what's what's happened. God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit in eternity decided to create us and they knew that we were going to go through the fall and they had already determined in eternity that Christ would cross the that the Son, God the Son, would come over to our side of the equation, would come over across all the sin and all the alienation and all the brokenness and all the rebellion, and he would come over to our side. And on the cross, he would scoop us up in himself and bring us back into relationship to the Father, into the Father's love and acceptance and Dennis talked about that during communion and we sang about it all morning and and I just love these songs that we sing about the victory that's in Christ but that is the embrace of the father in his son. And so what we need to do is we we need to respond to that by embracing him back. Have you ever tried to hug someone that didn't hug you back? It's like hugging a tree, you know? I've had family members and friends that, you know, I thought we were at the place where, you know, we could give hugs and, you know, I did this and they're just like, you know, it's it's really weird. And I don't want God to experience that with you and I don't want you to have to ever have God experience that as he's trying to embrace you and he's already embraced you. But this morning, I want to finish this final series about embracing his embrace, embracing him back, hugging him back. I don't know if you've experienced this, but I have a very hard time approaching strangers. I know I'm an introvert, uh, but but in general, like when I get on an airplane, I don't go down the aisle to my seat hugging people. D- do you do that? And if someone that you didn't know, let's say that you're waiting for your plane to arrive and you're in it, and someone that you don't know comes walking up to you with their arms open wanting to hug you, what are you going to do? I'm going to walk the other way. I'm going to get away from that person because I don't know them. I don't trust them. There's no relationship. And guys, that's, that's the problem. Sometimes we don't have a real relationship with God. God's some kind of mystical thing out there in outer space that we pray to, to get things that we need, just hoping that by some chance he might hear us and that day, a particular day, might like us enough to answer our prayers. That's, that's how, you know, when we started the series five weeks ago, I asked a question. I'm just going to remind you of the question. As kind of a springboard into what I want to say this morning about embracing God's embrace, I ask you this question. When you think about God looking at you, and by the way, He is looking at you always, He never takes His eyes off of you. For some people, that kind of makes you nervous. For some people, that is so peace giving and peace inspiring because you know Him. But but what you feel, when you think about God looking at you, is the most important thing in your life in terms of how you live your life. Because you're either gonna live your life in peace, in joy, in and joy, and satisfaction, and 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 just a deep sense of well-being, or you're gonna constantly be like nervous and anxious and feeling like you're under the glare of some critical deity that's judging you constantly. Because guys. I don't know about you, but I'm a mess. I'm a mess. You know, I want to tell you that I've got my act together. Well, you know, I'm I'm trying to cooperate with the Holy Spirit as He does the work to make me more like Jesus. But there are days that I'm just a mess. I had one of those days this week. Tuesday, I was so stressed out and worried about stuff. There were that, you know, things going on in the church, things going on in my the, the lives of my family, I was just really, really not trusting God very much that day. I was just kind of a mess, very anxious. And then the Lord talked to me. We had to talk. <laughs> and he brought me back to a place of peace. But I mean, i I'll just be honest with you. We, we're, we're, in, we're in process. i talked about the scripture in Romans 10, or, or yeah, Romans 10, verse 14, it says, by one sacrifice, the one that we celebrated in communion this morning, Christ has perfected forever perfected forever, those who are being made holy. We're being made holy. We're perfected in our spirit. As the Holy Spirit has connected with our spirits, we become perfect. We become one with him. But in our soul, where dwells our wills, our minds, our emotions, that's still under construction. There's a sign across our soul with the Holy Spirit put there says, under construction, under renovation. And uh do you know what the Bible says about when that will be completed? Philippians 1.6, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who began a good work in you will complete it at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He ain't going to be done until Jesus returns. So just, just be okay with being a mess for now. I'm, I'm serious. I mean, we're going to have good days and bad days. We're going to have days that we, we feel like this and days that we feel like this. Jesus said, in this this world, you'll have tribulation. I'll tell you what, I heard a sermon a few weeks back by the the national director of the vineyard, and he just said this. He said, if you think that you're not as good a person and as smart a person and as together as the original 12 disciples, then you haven't read the Gospels very, very closely. He said, those guys were knuckleheads. He said, You are way better than they were. (laughs) And he started talking about all the goofy things they did and said and thought and you know what right up till his ascension. Anyway, beside the point. I didn't even mean to say that, but but it's true. So let's just be okay with who we are because God is okay with who we are. He really is. He knows that the Holy Spirit's busy at work making us like Jesus. That's what Romans 8, 28 and 29 say. He's making us like Jesus. He's conforming us to the image of Christ. That's really good. And and John tells us in John 3 that when we're with him, we will be just like him. Hallelujah. But in the meantime, you know, let's just be okay being us. Let's just embrace God's embrace. Now, in order to embrace God's embrace, there has to be a level of trust. Like I said, we're not going to embrace a stranger. And so in order to embrace him, we have to trust him. In order to trust him, we have to know him. Because knowing leads to trust, and trust leads to embrace. Jesus said this in John 10, 10. I came, I came, the Father has sent me. This is his idea. I'm not here to save you from God. I'm here to show you his love. And I came that you might have life and have it to the fullest. I mean, he's, he, he's saying I came, You know, the, the devil has come to steal and kill and destroy your life, but I came that you might have the best life ever. I came that you might have life and have it to the full, to have it abundantly. And then he says seven chapters later, this is life, this is eternal life, that you might know God, know him, and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent, that's life, to know him. And so, it's so important that we know God, because if we don't know God, we won't trust God, and if we don't trust God, we're, we're going to stay away from him. We're going to be like Adam and Eve, hiding in the bushes, with our fig leaves in place, that, that uh, uh, pretend self that Dennis talked about last week, those are fig leaves, I'm going to get into that a little bit more. But I want to I tell you a story about knowing and trusting. Steve and Linda Fry are not in the they're not in the service this morning. I found out this morning that they're doing children's ministry. They're in their mid-70s doing children's ministry. We need more people to do that, by the way. We need children's ministry people. I think the, the Fries and Julie Barker uh, and, and maybe one other person are doing so anyway, blah, blah, blah. We're gonna get into that later as we go into Vision Sunday, but Steve and Linda are not here, or I would have them stand up. But they came to our church 25 years ago. Now, I know that, you know, they tell us in seminary that pastors aren't supposed to make friends in the church. You know, all your friendships should be outside the church. I never adhered to that. I have lots and lots of friends here. And I love you all. And I wish that I could be as close to each one of you as I am to Stephen Linda. But here's the thing Stephen Linda Fry came to our church 25 years ago from another church that had gone through a terrible split and the leadership had gone, uh, had done some really bad things. And so they left hurting and looking for a new home. And they came here and their very first Sunday, they felt like they were at home. And so they, they settled in here and they immediately became small group leaders and they, they uh, uh, eventually became elders. They've been elders for about 15 years but one of the things that they have done is they've just they've loved this church and the people of this church and they have become pastors here. And as elders, I mean we're a pastoral team, they love people. They love people so much. They're a better pastor than I am when it comes to just pursuing people and loving people and making sure people are okay. If you're not here, they're going to you find you and you know anyway. But one of the things that they've done through the years with Deb and me and my family is um, Steve has come to me every uh, September since WEEC said that that, uh, October was Pastor Appreciation Month. We get a whole month. I have no idea why. But anyway, Steve always comes to me at the end of September and says, Now remember, next month, Linda and I want to take you and Deb out to dinner. So you pick the night, and you pick the place, and we'll take you out. Now sometimes it's July before we get around to doing it, but, but he always offers to do that, and so we go out, and he always says order anything on the menu, and you know, and uh, so I order the biggest steak I can find. No, I'm kidding, but uh, but we sit and we talk, and and uh, they they've just pursued us like that, and so um, some of you know, some of you don't, but. In 2012, I had, a, I had a total breakdown in 2012, and it lasted the entire year. It started with anxiety attacks in January. It ended in, in suicidal thoughts in December. I was hospitalized. Stephen Linda Fry, sometime in mid-fall, began to take Deb and me to dinner at Wendy's on Sunday nights, every Sunday night, every week, all the way through my return to pastoral ministry in July. Of 2013 every Friday night they picked us up took us to Wendy's they sat they asked us questions we talked we cried we laughed but I came to know them and you know that was the worst time of my they saw me at my absolute worst and I think their love for me grew and their respect for me and their honoring of me has never changed and I trust them with my life. I trust them with my family's lives. I trust them with my finances. I would trust them with my 401K if I had one. I trust them completely because I've come to know them and I know the integrity and the love and, and the, the depth of character and their love for Christ and their love for me and my family. I trust them. And every Sunday, they get hugs and They usually initiate those hugs. But I embrace them back because I trust them. And you know, one thing that I've never had to do ever was put on any kind of a, of, a, of a mask. I never had to put on the pretend self to be loved and accepted by them. Like I said, they've seen me at my worst and they've loved me. They've embraced me. And they're a reflection of God, you see. For you, not just me. For you, there's no faking it till we make it. There's no pretend self needed. There's no mask that we need to make ourselves look good for God. No Sunday best. Last week, Dennis, Dennis talked about the pretend self and faking it till you make it, and he says this: How can you receive love if it's your if you're living in your pretend self? You know, it's hard to love a mask. And it's hard to receive love if you're wearing a mask. And it's very hard to give love if you're wearing a mask. If you're if you're your pretend self and you're not really you're hiding back here somewhere behind your best version of you, it's really hard to receive God's love. And it's very hard to give love away when you're pretending. Because you're always, you know, you're always doing the show. You're always faking it. You're always, you know, oh, hi, everything's fine. I'm good. Yeah, you know, how are you? You know, and you come to church and you're all smiles, even though you just had a fight with your spouse and you kicked the dog and yelled at the kids, but you come and everything's fine. I'm fine. Everything's great. We don't have to do that with the Lord. You know, uh, Wednesday night, our small group started discussing this, and, uh, and we had an interesting discussion about Dennis's sermon, and I'm not sure that Dennis... Uh, uh, would have recognized uh, his sermon had no. I'm kidding, uh, but but you know as we got into what is the pretend self and what is not the pretend self, and we started talking about well, you know, if we're at work and we're our professional self, uh, and we're home, we're more relaxed, and when we're with our friend, you know, is, is the work thing a pretend self or is it just a perfect? And it started getting a little bit complicated and muddy, and suddenly I remembered a story that I'd heard from a book I read back in. I think it was 2010 or so. And I wish that I had really internalized the story. But I want to, I want to share this allegory. It, the, the, the book is called True Face, and one of the authors was a guy named John Lynch. And John Lynch tells the story on, uh, on YouTube. You can probably still find it. it uh, just look up True Face John Lynch on YouTube. But I want to tell the story as, as precisely and as, as succinctly as I can. Because it's a wonderful allegory about how to not live and how to live this Christian life, and how to embrace God's embrace. And so here's the story. And uh, the the person represents Joe Christian, so we're going to call him Joe. And sorry, Joe, we have a Joe in the back there. I'm not, and we have a, we have Joes on either side here. I'm not talking about you guys, okay? My first name is Joseph, by the way, so I'll just it'll just be me. Um, but anyway, so. Joe Christian is, is walking his journey. He's walking down the Christian, you know, walk. And, and, uh, and you know, the, like I said, it's an allegory. An allegory is just a story that represents something else. But he's walking down this road, and he's walking the Christian life. And suddenly he comes to a fork in the road. And he's like, I, I've been walking this road, and, and suddenly there's a fork here. And there's a sign that says trusting God and a sign that says pleasing God. Trusting God, pleasing God. And he's like, why do I have to decide? Why do I have to pick one road or the other? I want to do both. I want to trust God and please God. But I've got to make a decision. I've got to go one way or the other. Trusting God. You know, you know I, I feel like I trust God. Yeah. Pleasing God. You know, that? yes, I really do want to please God. I mean, at the end of my life, I want to get to the end of my life, and I want to hear those words well done, thou good and faithful servant. So of course I want to please God, so I'm going to take that road. So Joe Christian begins to walk down the road of, of pleasing God. And not, not too long down this road, he comes to a clearing, and there's this big, beautiful building, this, like a mansion almost. It's just really beautiful, very ornate. It has this big banner acro- across the top of the, uh, over the door that says, uh, "Striving hard to please God." And he's like, yeah, you know, that's that's me. That's what I want to do. I want to strive hard to please God. That's the that's it. So he walks up to the, don't say amen too fast to this, okay? <laughs> he walks up to the door, and and above the door handle, this beautiful brass ornate door handle, it says self-effort. He's like, Yeah, you know, we've got to, you know, we've got to really, we've got to really put forth effort and discipline to please God. So yeah, I think I'm in the right place. So he turns the knob. And walks into this room. And, you know, the light is kind of like he comes out of this bright light into this room. And he can tell there's lots of people there. And, you know, there's kind of the, lots of conversation happening. And, and, and this, this, all of a sudden this attractive uh, hostess walks up to him. And, and she says, welcome to the room of, of pleasing God. And she says, um, and, and he's like, oh, this is great. This is where I want to be. I want to please God. This is great. he's like, how is everybody? And, her, and, and several people will answer back, oh, we're fine. We're fine. Everything's fine. We're fine. Our families are fine. We're, fine. Yeah, we're just fine. Thank you for asking. And the hostess says, how are you? And Joe Christian says, well, you know, I, I'm not doing that great, actually. I'm, I'm, there's some sin issues I'm struggling with, and you know, my, my, my marriage is really rocky right now, and man, my finances are a mess. And she goes like this, shh. And she reaches behind the podium uh, in front of her, and she pulls this out. And she, she hands it to him. And he takes it, and his, lo- his eyes have now adjusted to the light, and he looks around, and everyone in the room is wearing one of these masks. And as he looks around, they're like, like, yeah, go ahead, put it on. And so he he reaches down and he puts it on. He puts on his mask. And he says, you know, after thinking about it for a couple of minutes, I, I I think I think I'm fine. I, I really I really do. I think I'm fine. And so he begins to, you know, work on his sin issues. And he begins to. Memorize scripture, and he begins to, to really work on his prayer life, and and you know weeks go by, and and he you know he's really uh, man. Occasionally, he slips up, and he says that he hurts himself, and he says a cuss word or whatever, and he really feels bad about it, and he he gets angry, and he loses the temper a little bit, and he can't quite you know keep that under check, and 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 things are you know he's just really striving hard, but he's really struggling. And one of the things that he begins to notice is that people around him. Seem pretty exhausted, and he also notices around the edge of their mask, their masks are beginning to crack. And occasionally they lose their temper, and occasionally they say a swear word, and occasionally they're not acting like they're doing very well in their striving to please God. And he also notices that people are kind of disappearing here and there, and a couple of times he's actually seen people that, while they thought no one were. Was looking or were looking, they slipped out the back door and disappeared. And there came a point after a few more weeks that he was just absolutely exhausted and he could tell that his mask was cracking. And he couldn't stand the shame of that. And so one day when he thought no one was looking, he slipped out the back door. And he comes around the building and he heads back down that path towards the fork in the road. And along the path, he sees people that are just laying on the side of the road, and some of them still have their mask on, but some of them have thrown it off. But they all look exhausted, and, they, and he can also feel the hopelessness as he walks past them. He can just sense their hopelessness. And so he goes back to that fork in the road, and he looks back down that road of pleasing God, and he says, I can't do that anymore. But the only other choice I have is just trusting God, and I don't really even know what that means but what choice do i have and so he he starts his way down that road and suddenly he comes to a clearing and he sees this big beautiful building and above the door it says resting in jesus and so he's like oh man does that feel good right now and he walks to the door and as he's reaching for the door handle again this beautiful brass one door handle right above the door handle it says grace he's like wow okay So he turns the knob and walks in. And as he walks in, he's approached by this hostess. And uh, he can tell that it's like semi party going on here. And one of the things that he notices as he looks around is that no one is wearing a mask. And so the hostess says, How are you? Oh, welcome to the the room of, of trusting God. How are you? And he says, I'm fine. I'm just fine. And she's like, okay. And a couple of people look around like, and he's like, wait a minute, I'm not fine. My, I, I'm, I'm struggling with some sin issues. I'm struggling in my marriage. My, my finances are a mess. I'm not fine. I'm just not fine. I hope that's okay. And some fellow yells from the back, well, I'm struggling with alcoholism. Somebody else says, I just lost my house because of a gambling addiction and he 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 looks at the hostess and she smiles and she says welcome to the room of trusting jesus she's like we're all in this together and he glances back towards the back of the back corner of the room and he sees this man that he seems to sort of recognize and the fellow's smiling and he's locked eyes with joe and he starts he starts making his way towards him with his arms stretched out and he recognizes him as Jesus. Jesus walks up and just throws his arms around Joe and gives him a big hug and he whispers in his ear and he says, I'm here for you and I'm going to walk with you and you're a mess right now but you're going to be fine. (laughs) You're going to be fine. We're in this together. And so he relaxes and as he begins to not focus on his sins so much and starts focusing on just his relationship with Jesus and his relationship with other people that aren't wearing masks but being honest about their struggles and he's honest about his struggles, his life begins to change. Sins that had wrecked him before begin to lose their power, and eventually, you know, things in, in his life are are beginning to straighten out. You know, he's never perfect, but things start changing. And there comes a day when Jesus walks up and puts his arm around his shoulder. And he says, hey, I want to show you something. And they walk back to the back of this room. And he opens the door. And there's a train sitting out the back door. And it's ready to leave. And Jesus hands him a ticket and says, I want you to get on that train. And I want you to go to the next town. And I want you to share with the people in that town what you've learned in the room of trusting God. Guys, we don't have to wear these. We don't have to put on our Sunday best. In order to embrace his embrace, we have to trust God. And in order to trust him, we have to know him. I have two scriptures I want to share with you about knowing God and trusting God. If you go ahead and and put up um, Psalm 4610. Well, yeah, here it is. Just the first line. Be still and know that I am God. This is God speaking, by the way. The psalmist David is, is writing the psalm under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and God is saying to his people, Be still and know that I'm God. The New American Standard is the most um, literal translation that we have in Hebrew and Greek. And the translation that the, the New American Standard has is cease striving and know that I am God. Ah, cease striving and know that I am God. Just rest, just be still and rest. The second scripture that I want to put up is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. Go ahead with the next one, the slide. In all your ways, uh, I don't like the word submit there. That's not what that word says. The word is actually know. Most translations say acknowledge him. The word is know. I, I called a seminary professor that's an expert in Hebrew and, and uh, the Old Testament. And uh, he said the word there is the word like Adam knew Eve and had a son. <laughs> it's intimacy. It's knowing. It's the way I know Steve and Linda. I know them enough to trust them. In all your ways, know him, and then he'll direct your paths. You don't have to worry about it. He's going to take care of you. The only way that we're going to know him is to spend time with him. Just like I came to know Stephen and Linda by spending time with them over the last quarter of a century. Guys, somehow we've got to figure out how to be with God and how to know him. This study that we're about to do, man, I want every person in this church to go through this chrysalis uh, study that we're going to do on Romans, Romans 6, because it has everything to do with intimacy with him and getting to know him and finding our identity in him. But I want to I call your attention to a story in the New Testament that illustrates this very well. There was a family in Bethany, which is just two miles from Jerusalem. Uh, two, two sisters and a brother, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. They were really, really close friends with Jesus. I, I'm not going to put the scriptures up. I'm just going to tell you the story just for sake of time, because I have one more story at the end I want to share. Martha and Mary were, were dearly loved by Jesus, and they loved him dearly, and they had very different personalities. Jesus came to visit them. He comes into their house for this purpose, to relate to them, to talk with them, to share with them. Martha, Mary sits down at his feet and begins to listen to him talk. Martha jumps up and starts making lunch. And she's doing all these preparations and she's fussing around and running around and and many of you in this room can identify with Martha. We live in a Martha culture, you know, we do. Get her done, you know, Uh, just do it. You know, all these uh, bumper stickers that, you know, know, we, we gotta get it done, we gotta do it. If it's gonna get done, we gotta do it. And I've heard people defend Martha even after Jesus rebukes her severely. He says to her, when she comes and complains to him, you're, don't you, are, you know, why is my sister just sitting here and doing nothing when I'm making all the preparations, tell her to get up and help me. Now, you know that you're not in a good place when you're telling Jesus what to do and you're correcting him. That's not a good place to be. I have heard so many people defend Martha. Well, if it weren't for the Marthas in the world, nothing would get done. Well, that's true, okay? And I'm sure that Mary had a good work ethic too It's just that she chose in that moment. Jesus was there for relationship. Jesus was there to converse. Jesus was there to make himself known. Jesus was there for the relationship. And Mary sat down to listen. When Jesus comes to your house, you better sit down and listen if he has something to say. Don't be making sandwiches Jesus didn't order, okay? Don't defend Martha. She should have sat right by her sister and listened to Jesus. And that's what he tells her, because she needs to know him. 20 years ago this May, I developed a habit that I'd heard about called journaling. Venice has talked about me doing this. I've shared with you guys from time to time about this. This is my journal uh, for this year. I started this. Uh, May 20th, uh, 2021, I got about 12 pages, blank pages left, but I started this habit 20 years ago of sitting, uh, so I, I get my sha- you know, I get up uh, early, I get my shower, I get my coffee, I get dressed, of course, I get my coffee, and I go and I sit in my big fluffy chair in my room, that's my quiet time place. I have uh, my devotionals on this little desk here, I got a little table with my Bible uh, and, and my journal. And it's laying there open. I've got a, you know, anyway. And it's, it's just laying there ready for me to, to talk to the Lord. Started this 20 years ago this May. This is the thing that I look forward to the most every morning. This is the thing that gets me in bed between 10 and 10.30 every night. Because I cannot wait to sit down and hear what the Lord has to say to me. Now I want to show you something. This is, this is strictly to show you how important this is to me. (laughs) That's about three quarters of my journals. I didn't bring the ones with the spiral spiral binding because they would fall off the, the table. But that represents 20 years of sitting with the Lord and talking to him. Black represents what I say to him. Blue represents what he says to me the first half of those journals, there was a lot more black ink there was, than there was blue. After 2012, a lot more blue than there is black. And I want to share just, this was just a couple of days ago, after my meltdown of, of uh, you know the day of, on, on uh, Tuesday. <laughs> this was Wednesday morning. <laughs> Pulled my journal over on my lap and just started listening for the Lord's voice. I've learned to hear his voice. Learned to know his voice. John 10 It's all about hearing the voice of the shepherd and knowing the shepherd in his voice. Neil, my precious son, every time there was a lapse of trust and faith in the lives of the patriarchs and the saints in the scriptures, there was sin and unfaithfulness. Look at Abraham and Hagar, Adam and Eve, Saul, Peter, David, Moses, and others. But Abraham, David, Moses, others, are in the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith because they learned to trust me no matter the giants, the circumstances, the crises, or the challenges. They came to know me and my faithfulness. Neil, you have loved and admired Abraham. And Romans 4, which is all about Abraham and his faith, has been an inspiring, encouraging scripture to you. The key to Abraham's life and blessing was his trust in me. Neil, I totally forgive you you for your lapse of uh, lapse in trust do you trust me look at how faithful i have been aside from the fact that there are still some unanswered prayers do you have any reason not to follow abraham's example of total trust and against all hope quote unquote believe my promises and my faithfulness do you have any reason not to believe that and i said no lord i do not you are completely trustworthy worthy of my trust Your faithfulness has been proven over and over in my life, in my family, in my church. I do repent of my lapse in trusting you and ask your forgiveness for doubting you. He said, Neil, I've already forgiven you. My mercies are indeed new every morning. And this is a new day. Every morning, guys. Well, occasionally, you know, I've missed a morning here and there. By the way, this is my first journal. It took me five years to get through this one. <laughs> I go through journals now in about six months or so. But but I just, I just want you to know, you've got to find your way. You've got to find your way of knowing the Lord, of spending time with him. Maybe it's not journaling. Maybe it's just reading the scriptures. Maybe, maybe it's just taking a walk and, and seeing nature or whatever. But somehow you've got to get in touch with with your way of knowing Jesus, I want to tell you this story, and I'm done. Baxter Kruger, in one of his books, says and this is back before 9/11 and all that happened with airports. He said he was waiting for uh, his plane to arrive and and to uh, you know for the people to disembark and and then to board the plane. And he said that uh, so so he was there. And, and there was a mom and a, a little, her little boy waiting for a plane to arrive. And he said the closer, he was like five years old, the closer it got to, to that plane arriving, the more excited this little boy got. And he would go to the window and he would press his face against the window and, you know, fingerprints and nose prints on the window. And, and, but, but everybody started noticing this. And and at one point, the mom embarrassingly said, he, he's just really excited that his dad's coming home because he's been gone for like three weeks. And he said, then the moment arrived. I'm going to try to get through this without crying. The moment arrived. He said, the place was electric. People started coming off the plane. And you know, the, the door they come through to after they disembarked. And, and you know, he's watching and he's waiting. And he's standing there. And then suddenly the moment happens. Suddenly the moment happens. He sees his dad. And then the the entire room is just focused on this, you know, there's nothing else happening at that point. And the father looks at the son, and the son looks at the father. And their faces light up. And the dad takes about three steps, squats down, and opens his arms. And that kid hit him and almost knocked him over. And and they're hugging each other, and they're laughing. And the father's kissing his face, and and he's just giggling and laughing. Daddy, daddy. It was a moment. And the Holy Spirit elbowed Baxter in the ribs and says, that's you, and that's the father. Guys, that little boy is you, and your father has his arms open. That's what this series has been about. That right there, that moment is what this series has been about. Would you please trust your father, your daddy, your papa, and embrace his embrace. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.